Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 21st of March 2022. We recorded the chat last night. It was Joe, Webby, Josh and myself. I was a little grumpy in a bit of a... last night. Anyway, a bit more cheerful today. Grain markets. What can we say about the grain markets? They're exciting, if you like that sort of thing. They're confusing. If anyone thinks they really know what's going to happen next... They're talking at the backsides. I think we've got a number of people who've definitely got the mood that there's a peace negotiation going on, which may well stick. Okay, optimism is a good thing. I'm not convinced it's going to happen in a hurry. Certainly the dynamic of Ukrainian plantings and logistics is without doubt causing havoc to next year's crop. It depends how long this thing drags on for, and I can't see Putin backing down without some form of victory or some form of thing that makes him gloat, which is very probably murdering the Prime Minister guy. I don't know, who knows? It's going to drag, I'm afraid, in my view. And I also think there's enough infrastructural damage for there to be a problem with new crop coming out of Ukraine. And everyone explains that we have a war premium already in this market, and therefore it's going to go down. Why would old crop be trading at £300 a tonne and new crop be trading at £250 a tonne? And you can see a big downside in what we've got coming. I can't quite see that. We know that one of the major producers is not going to have the tonnage and we haven't got into the silly season of weather yet. Because let's face it, the silly season of weather, even in a perfect year... There's always somebody sees something that makes them buy it and everybody then follows it and then the algorithms kick in and off we go. And there are already hints of hiccups. China had a very wet time, whether we believe that or not, but apparently so. They're saying that damaged the crop of wheat. And in the US, there is a very dry area. Yes, there's been some rain in the last week, but there is a very, very big moisture deficit in large slices of the states. And there's no respite from that. The weather forecast for the UK in the next 14 days is blue skies and no rain and just sunshine, which is great. But it won't take long for the moisture to start evaporating and we will all start getting itchy about the fertiliser you've got on next. Whatever it is about sentiment that makes markets go silly, all the ingredients are coming. So you better keep an eye on the cake. So what should we talk about? Oilseed rape, harvest prices at this precise second, 605 harvest movement plus premiums. It's a good price. I don't think anyone really knows what their goal is anymore. So... So one guy said, if he can make 650 guaranteed with the premium, he'll go for it. Well, okay, you guarantee me your oil content and I'll tell you what base price you've got to fix it at. It's not quite as easy as making a statement like that, is it? Anyway, so it's 600 and something and the crop looks really good. And in two weeks' time, it's going to be in flower. It's already beginning to show the odd yellow leaf. It's certainly in Norfolk looking exceptionally well, I believe, at 50 miles an hour driving past it. Let's talk about old crop feed wheat. 290x farm for May, 292x farm for June, 295x farm for July. That is a quote basis. The futures trading £4 down this morning. Only £4. You know, what a boring morning. (laughs) 
I suppose X farm, if it hits 300, X your farm, probably sell a lump of what you got left. If it doesn't hit 300 and you end up selling it for 280, I'm terribly sorry. It must be terrible. It's kind of what the hell time, isn't it? You know, you've won the game, flick the ball around the pitch and try and score a flashy goal of the season or something is the analogy I would use. So 300 is the goal. And if it doesn't reach that, you'll be selling it for 280 something one day. New crop is a bit more interesting. Futures are trading at 250. So it's kind of in round figures, 240 plus X farm for Nov. My view on that is if I had to take a stance on new crop, I would say, yes, it will probably have a drop when a piece, a deal or something is done that means the fighting stops. But I'd rather buy it than sell it. I will use the risk reward The risk is the weather kicks off in the States and we get a proper weather market, which can give the market £100 a tonne in some years. Already short-supplied market. I appreciate there's lots of animals during the industry can't survive and there's going to be some demand destruction, etc. But there is some real issues with riots, food shortages and, you know, the basic commodity. It's a very emotive subject. The downside risk or the downside reward, if you're a consumer, if you like, can I buy it cheaper? I don't think it can be much more than 20 quid. And then maybe it will come to that if you really are cool with it and it's a big harvest that comes eventually and so on. And, oh, yeah, I knew it would come down. You're going to be having some sweats in between now and then. And I think that certainty is worth an awfully large amount. So I think the pressure's on the consumer. I'm not making this podcast to make them buy it. I'm trying to give everyone an even piece of advice. So a farmer, if you're listening to this, I could easily be very wrong, but I think you're in the driving seat. There isn't the pressure on you. I appreciate everyone will tease you and give you a kicking if you don't sell stuff here and the market does go down and you know your ego suffers and your bank balance suffers. However, this podcast is a firm that makes a statement about what we think is going to happen. I think the new crop prices will trade at higher levels than this in between now and harvest. I think it may well be the weather that pushes it there, may well be an extension of this war dragging on and the reality of the Ukrainian crop being smaller than the optimist is saying. And it may be, I don't know, someone just getting incredibly bullish or just one of the bigger companies saying, right, I'm going for it. And they could be wrong with that view, but that could easily take the market on, if you like, kick the algorithms into overdrive and up we go. So yeah, I think we're in for a volatile time, but I do think if you took a view in between now and harvest, there'll be a time when it trades higher than this. But you know, please do not base your entire income stream on my views because I could be wrong and it won't cost me anything coming out with this sort of stuff other than if I just take a position myself and that's my job. So current value, 241, 242 for Nov. Harvest is immediate movement, got to go that day, sort of 230, 2345, whatever you like, really. Yeah, offer it. I, no one's particularly selling new crop. The only people trading are people who are being pushed by some pushy little agronomist who's giving them great advice on the basis of their trader who wants the long position. Anyway, feed barley is trading at around about a £15 discount on new crop to wheat. V barley 220 plus value for harvest movement. Yeah, I can't see that one particularly being weak at the moment. If there's a corn shortage, barley has a place to play and a bit more usage, hopefully. So barley is going to come onto the pitch a bit more. So that's its value new crop. If you've got any feed barley, you've got the urge to sell, then by all means, phone us up. On old crop, feed barley seems to be out of stock. There isn't any left. The only feed barley brackets 
feed barley that was actually malting that we've sold is malting barley it's not feed anymore all of our feed barley has gone but we have got the odd person with malting barley stocks and if feed barley is trading at 294 delivered and malting barley is trying to be bought at 320 delivered the temptation to travel an extra 10 pounds worth of haulage somewhere where you might have some fussy git saying no the germ isn't there or i don't like the color of something then 294 delivered to a local feed barley home is much more appealing so i think that's where the bulk of the balance of old crop malting barley will go easy life it's above where we've bought it quite happy to let it go get the money in the bank get the store empty and let's wait for next harvest so there you go that's where we're at i hope you have the opportunity to use this next couple of weeks weather to do all of your planting all of that sugar beet all of those potatoes all of the spring barley all of the fertilizer you're going to put on the surface going to sit there and never get used and all those things enjoy that and i apologize for my grumpy mood in the next bit thank you thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours If ever there was a time to own central grain store tonnage, it's now. Yeah Grain at Cantley takes the worries and stresses of grain drying and storage away. Members of the store can harvest without delay and can bring their produce in the day it comes off the combine, all with discounted drying and servicing charges. Call 01493 700 447 or 01263 731 550 for details. Yeah Grain. Providing the grain handling you need. This week we've got an in-house jobby, which is made up of Ian. Hello. Joe. Hello. And Josh. Hello. Who's yawning halfway through saying hello. And Joe and Josh have already opened their beers up. Tonight we've got Corona Extra, just to remind ourselves of the pandemic. They're cold and we nicked them from the lads from the granary. We've got to replace it by tomorrow night. Anyway, so we're going to start with margin calls because I got a little bit irritated with a couple of tweets. You know, you read things from people and opportunity makes a thief. Your opponent you think is down. Do you help them up or do you kick them? And my view has always been help if you possibly can because there's always another day. And some people perceived our company to be in trouble with margin calls because we are the company that tenders futures and we've just told everybody all the way through the year that we're going to be tendering futures and it's fairly obvious when Vlad moved into the Ukraine there was going to be a hefty margin call. It was a pretty uh, momentous, well I mean terrible moment for what happened obviously but yeah it was a pretty punchy moment in the trade and your margin call management was massive but well, the thing is, is you know, two and two makes four after four or five days of thinking about it. For some people, luckily, the day he moved in, we thought about it and recognised that, yeah, we had a very short future position. We'd already trimmed it back dramatically in previous days because he was on the border. But the dynamic of it is it's interesting to see people's perception of where your business is. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's got round now or not, it was very clear we had to do something about it. So we brought our futures in. We didn't have to think about it for too long. And it was quite a, uh, a moment to hit it. And saying that, I mean, we had analysed the risk beforehand. Well, I think the best thing about it was I had to go in a meeting that morning and the whole of the team had to actually get on, try and debate amongst themselves about how to sort the problem out. So as a team, it was without doubt one of the finest lessons ever learned because, you know, first things first is company preservation to make sure you pay your bills and pay your staff and everything's in the right place. You know, regardless of the cost, you have to go, right, this has to be sorted out because Mm. at time of going into the meeting, the best offer was £100 a tonne yeah, yeah. You know, and as luck would have it, the market then proceeded to get completely kicked to bits the rest of that day and the Friday, yeah, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, it ended up being about 20 quid up, I think, by the end of that Thursday. Yeah. And yes, there was a hole in terms of margin, but 
I mean, the way it's been dealt with and the reaction of the market since it's been for us as a business. Well, no, nobody was so there. We sat bluntly, long as anything, and couldn't do anything with it. No one really giving any prices either way. The bids and the offers were 600 miles apart. Physical trading just went right out the window. It was a mess. So on the Saturday and Sunday, couldn't do anything about it. You know, I was just dutifully doing jobs my wife gave me and didn't do any thinking. Came in Monday morning with a clear head. It was going to go up. It had to go up. Yeah, yeah. And it did. Yeah. And in the meantime, there's been very good physical opportunities to get hedges back on. Well, no, we've done it. We're bound to say that. The reality is we didn't start trading until Wednesday afternoon, Thursday. And as luck would have it, you know, we sold stuff technically at a discount where we should have done. But Against the futures and a basis, but (laughs) it was considerably higher though, wasn't it? Well, we all know where we are now. The interesting thing to me was the dynamic of people giving you a kicking or trying to or trying to create that fear. And yeah, it did irritate me. So well done, boys. It did irritate me. And that's for the biggest company and one of the smaller ones but I knew at that point that we were fine I also knew that what was being done was a deliberate action fair play I will never ever do that to an opponent who may have a problem maybe with the exception of the dynamic of what's going on at the moment in the industry where certain companies are not in the market yeah, that's quite a big topic to debate, isn't it? We as a merchant, you've got to be in there if you're a farmer that wants to value and wants to book some wheat. You want to be out there giving a price. And yeah, we are there, we're in it. The rumours were circling on that for quite a while, weren't they? And then it's come out, they haven't traded for, what, two and a half weeks now, nearly three weeks tomorrow. Which, in the end, a farmer needs to have a way of hedging. If someone gets the urge to sell it because they think there's going to be peace talks that actually mean something, they want to trade it. You have to, as a trader, be able to give them some form of hedge, don't you? Unless the game is changing, unless I'm missing something. See, let's just say the price is £250 a tonne for new crop wheat, whichever month. And you think, right, listen, I need to sell it. And you go on to your favourite trader and say, right, I need to sell it. And they go, no, sorry, I can't. I think this is the top. I need to sell it. I think it was reasonable to be out of the market for a day or two whilst it was all hellishly volatile and it wouldn't touch sides for 20 quid up and down but now there's a bit of stability in the price it kind of you'd expect your merchant to be in it well you should have had a talk or conversation with somebody to give you some form of hedging opportunity or some sort of agreement that covers you yeah Will you remember it? You know, you'd remember it if the market dropped like a stone and never got to 250 again, wouldn't you? Because you'd go, well, I tried to sell it to you and you wouldn't buy it. I'll buy it now, it's 190. I do you think there's probably missed opportunities. I did speak to there's an ally in the trade and he has picked up various customers he's never traded with before for that very reason. There's a bit of moving and shaking of who's trading with who, I think. Yeah, we actually had that happen today. A farmer that we did bits with before and I started trading with us quite a bit of his old crop. Anyway, these are horrible times for everybody and it's almost best not to watch the news every night because it's gruesome and, you know, what do you do? You try and do your job and focus on the job in hand, which is providing farmer customers with a price that gives them a correct edging mechanism so they can take advantage of a very profitable situation. If you looked at a tweet I looked at the other day from a farmer that gave a false impression of how poor they were, and it really annoyed me. So he's a regular tweeter, this guy. He had a picture of coins which showed the price of fertiliser and how much it had gone up price of other inputs or fuel and how much it had gone up and something else sprays or whatever and then it showed the price wheat and it showed you know there's two coins which i guess was 
£200 a tonne, it showed three, which is £300 a tonne, which against these other costs were dramatically higher. But of course, the proportion of tonnage of wheat relative to the actual cost was completely out of sync. So they're trying to pretend that they're really downbeaten again and I'm not going to be... You're making loads of money, so how dare you? In a moment when you're making a serious profit on the back of people in the terrible situation they're in, regardless of those costs, how dare you actually try and pretend that you're hard up and poor? 100% on this crop. To have an element of sympathy on the 23 crop, I think that's a different ballgame. How many people have sold 23 crop? No, they haven't. But that's a, it's a very nipped up. If prices stick where they are existingly, they are. Joe, you got a comment on that? Webby's got a crystal ball that we don't know about. <laughs> 23 crop. <laughs> 23 crop. Well, that one keeps going up. And the fertiliser price is £850 a tonne, I don't know, or 950 for a urea or something. And if you take all of that in, then the cost of producing wheat is, assuming oil is somewhere around this price, that's an assumption you can't make, £200 a tonne is the cost of production, right? In round figures, all right, there'll be some more than that. Actually, it's much less than that for some people. So, you know, it depends on your efficiency of buying and your luck or whatever. But assuming that fuel isn't outrageously whapped through the roof or the government helps in some way shape or form it's 200 pounds a ton and the price of wheat for 2023 is 2.10 we've heard some pretty hefty prices on that better than that so technically there's a profit on both in these times you know fake news or misleading stuff like that aiming for sympathy in a situation trying to make out that the price hasn't gone up that much is again i come back to my point i think that's irresponsible Yeah, I'm just going back to go over the whole sort of illogical behaviour to suddenly pinpoint a number of things about... You can't suddenly start talking about future prices to some extent when we don't know so many things that have just happened that have just completely blown our template. We're talking about 2023 now, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. We don't know the aspects of that. So 2023, if someone bids you £220 a tonne for wheat, you're absolutely right. We don't know what diesel's going to cost. We don't know what sprays are going to cost. We don't know what, you know, I'm assuming you're going to run your machines into the ground for the next 10 years because you can't afford to buy a new one. And because steel went up 30% last week in one day, didn't it? Or 37% sheet steel. So you can buy fertiliser for next year at a set price. And that is a major input into the cost. And, you know, how much is your labour going to go up? Bearing in mind the double-digit inflation that we're now facing, people who work for you are going to want more money to just stand still. It isn't going to be the old Agricultural Wages Board 2% for you, my boys. They're going to get a little grumpy about that, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to have to. There's a lot of competition out there for jobs. So 100% there is, definitely. I think the other thing, actually, nickel has gone up, was it 2,000% or 200% in a day? Last week, that's a big thing for car and motor manufacturing. So, sorry, what's nickel going to? That basically cars and... I don't exactly know what it goes into. Components? It's, yeah, and in, like, aluminum. And is that because it's... Uh, <laughs> is that because nickel is a Ukrainian-based mineral, then, is it? I can't remember. It's just a massive thing, wasn't it? I, Okay, so you can tell probably by my tone I'm a bit grumpy tonight because there's several things I want to have a pop at. So I said I'm going to do a job where I was going to rant a fair bit and Ben decided to leg it and not join the podcast. (laughs) Chicken. Anyway, so we've gone through a couple of my key rants for starters. So I think the next question I have to ask you all is what does happen next? I think this is the hard one. We are having day-to-day conversations with lots of people. Interestingly, we saw yesterday it was comments about coming towards pizza agreement or something like that and all of a sudden everyone came on as not everyone but people came on as sellers just because it was the obvious thing for sentiment right nickel 250 percent there you go and everyone's asking us what do you think 
And that is the question undoubtedly you're going to get asked, but how the hell do you answer it? Because these are completely irrational, nonsensical times. So we're going to see a market that could easily tomorrow be 20 quid higher. Well, today the market was four, five, six pounds down and ended up two pounds fifty up, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've got war in Europe, you know, there aren't that many people that can remember it. And also, if they were, they probably weren't trading anything to do with grain. Depends on what, in the short term, depends on what Vladimir Putin does. No one knows that. So peace talks, but Vlad said, OK, we'll have some peace talks. Do you believe he's been... No. I'm a cynic on that one. He is unhinged and... Yeah, short and bald, can't back down. <laughs> I understand these things. <laughs> I mean, he is the sort of cat and mouse game. He is the sort of person that's come through a regime that would... The psychological sort of warfare, the way he plays games and things like this. There's no point in anyone in a logical way trying to anticipate what he's going to do. Well, apparently Donald Trump had a rally and he was saying that he would have had a line of communication with him and he made some smart moves. That wasn't irritating, was it? Donald could have worked it out. Yeah, he's cunning as a fox with two tails, isn't he? Um. <laughs> yeah, the dynamic of peace talks is he's laughing. I mean, the West believes in Walt Disney being the way films end, you know, and he's just not interested in peace talks, in my view. He's doing what he's doing. Oh, look, we're having peace talks whilst lining up long-range missiles to make sure he kills Zelensky. You know, on Wednesday, he bombed a uh, theatre, which satellite images showed that either side of the building in Russian was written children to state that there was children inside, and he happily went and did it. But he's used his biggest weapon ever since the Syrian war, and probably before that, was refugees. So he wants as many refugees to influx Europe. That's how he stabilised Europe around the Brexit vote. Well, you know, bluntly, now there's a topic. I'm not saying that was the reason, but it played into it. Yeah, okay. So I didn't write this down as something that I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it. Last week's podcast, I touched on it. The UK's response to the refugee thing. Anyone feel overwhelmingly happy or just would rather not talk about it? Pretty Patel got taken off it, didn't she, this week, for a lack of empathy? Is she still in post or is Michael Goves doing the job instead, I understand? Yeah. The point is, I'm not a genius, but this is the moment where you stick people on the aeroplanes that took medical supplies over them and fly them here and sort them out when they're here. I don't know how many people out there have offered accommodation or whether they think that might be a bit difficult. I was talking to my daughter last night. Her friend's got a horse. And I said, what do you think about the dynamic of the war? What would you do if it happened to you? And she said, well, I'd have to take my horse. <laughs> I said, no, you couldn't take your horse. Well, I'd have to. And I said, no, no, it isn't like that. Your house and the stable's been bombed. You'd have to slap your horse on the backside and let it go out in the grass and come back and see it in a few weeks' time. Oh, no, she said, I couldn't do that. <laughs> you know, different perceptions, 11-year-old girls versus the planet. But you can't imagine the trauma and you can't imagine i mean some of the people who are throwing their doors open to refugees i think that's exactly the right thing to do and we've got one of our colleagues who's doing exactly that haven't we which horse would molly take it wasn't molly who said it oh. sibling rivalry <laughs> anyway right <laughs> we'll move off the refugee thing because there's too many right wingers who listen who won't like it so the weather conditions in the uk perfect pretty much yeah apart from the fairly large downpour sort of west southwest last night we had a lot yeah yeah so 10 days of dry weather yeah. Most spring barley in. Yeah. And warm. You know, in terms of crop conditions, we're in a great place, aren't we? Is that bearish, possibly? On its own, yeah, it is. It's a positive thing for yields and positive for the crops. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, it's the rest of the bits and bobs to go with it. But is it even a consideration at the moment with everything going on? Kind of a lot of those, even looking at our shores, we talk about nitrogen and people using less nitrogen and maybe smaller yields towards the end of the season on wheat. You know, we did some fact-packing numbers. Let's say the yield is 10% lower and we go from a 15 million tonne crop down to a 
13 and a half million ton crop. Okay, million and a half. But is that that relevant in what's going on at the moment? It's relevant if we're short enough to import it. But I mean, interestingly, because we had that conversation a couple of days ago in the office, we had a farmer, we had a token farmer who gave us the, uh, how all of you think, you farmer boys, where you go, oh, I'll use a little bit less. I won't actually, you know, I won't just chuck it on willy nilly this year. Instead of having 200 kgs, I'm going to put 150 in three separate 50 kg lumps. And the rest of it I'll save because it's 600 pounds a ton cheaper than what, the, mm, what I'd yeah. buy in at. I can see the logic yeah, in that. You yeah. know, two fertilizer bags equals 1,200 quid. Great. Or four fertilizer bags, whatever size bags are now. But the difference in usage actually isn't 10%, apparently. You know, depending on what people okay. do actually use. Therefore, there's been a wastage that's gone on for a number of years. Yeah. It's definitely going to trim it a bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there must be some sort of effect. It'd be interesting to know, and I don't know this now. Look, there must be a tipping point of nitrogen efficiencies, and everyone's going to try and strive for that. One would hope our farmers know exactly what that is. But what you don't know is what the weather forecast is going to do. So if the 10 days of dry weather turns into 48 days of dry weather, every bit of nitrogen you put on the grounds could be pretty well wasted anyway, isn't it? Well, we did have that same farm was very chipper about his forecasts of weather patterns, saying that it was uh, going to be a La Nina year. He said we're going to have a very, <laughs> very dry spring leading to the beginning of a dry uh, summer. And then he said it's going to piss it down with rain all the way through from August and September. So that was really, Proper really fun, cheerful. Yeah, optimistic to the last. Yeah. <clears throat> what year did he compare it to? I think it was... Was it 2008? I think it's a year before I joined, so it wasn't the year that rang with me. I'm sure it was 2007, 2008, I think he said. Yeah, some years stick out in your... I mean, a similar year in my history was 1986 or something, before all you lot were born. Yeah, the dynamic of... You you can't predict that. There is a La Nina. is supposed to be dry in the Midwest for most of April into May, which... If you look at 1996, which is when I moved here, the market peaked in May, the end of May when I joined, and never got back up to that price for 10 years. In other words, it rained and the crop was really big. The potential of the crop leading up to the rain was terrible. And it was the states that led at that point. Now, there's many more people who have an influence on the market than just the states nowadays. Certainly now, with Ukraine off the pitch, which they're going to be for next year, they'll produce at best 50% of what they normally produce is the best estimate, assuming farmers are going out there. There are farmers so on that, when you're commenting on that, is that the following crop or is that the crop that's in the ground? The crop that's in the ground now, because it's spring planting for lots of corn yeah. and stuff, yeah. that what they're saying is that the Ukrainian crop will be 50%. You know, there will be a crop and there will be exportable surplus, yeah. but it will be much smaller. That's obviously assuming there's peace within three weeks which is a big ask at this point. So if you take a big exporter off the pitch, and Russia isn't going to be readily accepted into lots of markets either, there's a point at which we're now relying much heavier on the more traditional export market, which is the States. And we know the South American crop was damaged. The first crop was damaged. The second one's much better, but it's still short. Lots of grain in Australia, lots of floods in Australia. Any hiccup now will be exaggerated. And so if you see the market drop with a peace talks, £20 a tonne, that's about it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's going to remain firm. It will stay firm. So good advice yeah. is sit on your hands. It might well drift down 20 quid, and that'd be terrible advice, but it isn't. It's drifting down 20 quid to £225 a tonne. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. funny, that's a profit, because the cost of production this year is 175 not 200 or maybe 190 or 100 but it's yeah. still a very good profit. So, yeah, I think if you can get your hands on wheat as a trader, and I said this to a consumer earlier in the day, the reward is the potential of a £20 drop in prices if he waits. Yeah. The risk, well, we're trading at 300 odd pounds a tonne for old crop. 
who's to say it doesn't go there and more that's the risk he faces much more risk than the farmer does a farmer's risk reward is unlimited reward for a limited risk yeah i think that's a fair way of putting it downside risks are less than the upside potential so i think we'll leave this podcast yeah i can speak for all of us and say we're pretty punch drunk with what to do next we don't know nobody knows what happens next our analysis of it at this point is limited downside therefore why rush into doing anything yes it's always grown up to sell some stuff at a significant profit there will be some crazy forward prices here and there that are worth taking but let's just see how march goes into april let's see what that weather forecast is doing before we really make a move on it are we all happy with that yeah i think so yeah okay yeah. what do you think you cor- well we can't have Not- a comment josh and joe have finished their corona beer, we should so- be um given okay we're recording this a day earlier than normal but we should given it's paddy's day we should be drinking a guinness today shouldn't we really instead we've got a crappy corona. webby i went to the cupboard and it was completely bare the only thing left was that awful beer that joe brought in that was pretty shit it's still in the fridge and no one's prepared to drink it so i raided this from the two lads who were across the way so ian so far this week you didn't get any steak and you haven't got any guinness at home it's a very subtle reference there to the steak yes joe was referring to march the 14th which i'm afraid is a date that is not registered in my household at all nowadays not with your two no it never was actually i might have just got the steak but i wouldn't have got the follow-on i don't think just for those who missed it ian proudly became a father again a week ago two weeks ago and he had his two-day doing grain paternity leave and he's back because we're old school here which just actually reminds me of the other thing I did want to talk about while we're talking old school, and that's WhatsApp trading. Shall I do the rant or not bother? <laughs> yeah, you might as well. Go on then. Well, I'll let Josh do the we, rant. I, I'm not saying we're wholly and solely, but we are slightly guilty, because I do have correspondence with a few traders over WhatsApp, and I do quite like it, but I won't substitute that for a phone call, because it's a phone call's important. One sec. I'm not for or against it necessarily but sometimes if you have got something that you can have a conversation with that doesn't need an answer instantly it actually works quite well like you know i put my futures bids occasionally through whatsapp and i'll trade a bit and just get a bit of market information generally i think there's definitely plus and minuses i have a few mates so I'll, if, if the market does something wild i will send a like holy cow did you see that type of thing and you get the odd comment back but most of my when stuff is, you need is... to trade like has been the case in the last few weeks there have been some firms who have got some deals that they've just done and they want wheat to a boat can you supply some wheat to a boat of course i can yep when it comes down to the crunch the whatsapp if you're the busiest guy in the country there's one of the biggest trades in the country uses whatsapp he puts something out there sticks to it and when he's bought the ton it's very straightforward usage of it quite happy with that because he's too busy to spend his day talking to everybody i get that but ordinary everyday traders the young lads nowadays there's two very big companies that very regularly you can't get the traders you cannot speak to the traders now that's fine but is it fine if you don't have some form of debate about what they're expecting or can we do something to help you is there something where we can work together you can't put that on whatsapp you get price you get uh, uh, uh. and the nitty-gritty of without any doubt done significant tonnages with a firm that needed some wheat for boats if they picked up the phone to us if they actually answered the phone and stopped hiding behind whatsapp it is a bit hollow doing whatsapp or even you know the email kind of thing you said a minute ago it's old school using the phone i don't agree with that 
I wouldn't you, say it's old school. There's a trader. Like when we were buying all our futures in and we were looking for places to place our wheat, you know, I like give it a take a day and you get to a point where like, well, you know, we're seeing when you're winning sort of thing, we can do it whatever price we like. We're in a position to do some very significant trades, probably at a very favourable price for the people that were the other side of the pitch. Now we did a boat, yeah. right? We could have done more than one boat. We'd have been completely happy with it and they would have made a significant margin out of it. If they picked up the phone and said, how much can you do? And we'd have gone 25,000 tonnes. And they'd have gone, oh, all right, then I can put that together. And then I made a bigger margin than they normally do. But because they hide behind WhatsApp and they don't answer the phone, they think that's what traders do, they missed it. And now they're paying a lot more money than they would have done if they had their lights on. I have to be slightly careful with this one because I, at certain times of the year, become uncontactable and have a list of farmers to get back to, which becomes slightly unmanageable. But I think in your defence, Ian, you are very good at talking on one phone call or you get sort of held up on one phone call. And then what happens is by the time you actually finish that phone call with that person, you've got about 10 other phone calls to get to and then you've got a meeting to get to. So in defence... I'd say that sometimes you just can't be split into more than one part. He does like a good chat, that is for sure. He is quite good at yarning. Right. So we're looking at time management on Ian Webster's phone calls. In effect, he starts running on and he doesn't have the killer instinct saying, goodbye, does he? And certain people phone him up just about every bloody day. There's someone on this morning and I said, five minute max, like that. Because otherwise your day's killed by this bloke who keeps talking about the same thing every single day. You've got to say, I'm sorry, I've got to go. I'm a trader. I've got to hedge it. See you later. But... That's also probably the reason why they call him, because a lot of them probably don't have as much going on, and they're quite happy to talk to somebody for a certain period of time. So it's a catch-22. I'm paying him a trade, not have a chat. I know, but would he get the trade without the chat? Yeah, he's got the trade 20 minutes ago. He's still talking about the bloody cat or the dog or some sort of, oh, it might rain in next May. On the WhatsApp situation, I think that WhatsApp and stuff has its place. It definitely isn't a thing. But if I was in a hurry, or if anyone was in a hurry, you would pick the phone up and go, look. Or if you're in the car, obviously, doing whatever, like stuff like that. But there are times where I think it's okay for it. It's got its place. Yeah, Yeah, it's got its place. A bit like our app useful but will never ever take away from what our bread and butter is if we lose the conversation trade the bit where someone agrees with another person and it is a verbal agreement this is the one thing that we hold on to which the rest of the world has been ruined by lawyers who twist the law to suit the dishonest in this industry we have a pact that you do a deal and both parties know you've done it and if someone reneges on that deal you can look at them for the rest of their days and call them whatever you want to call them there's several names coming to mind there's people who've done that to us over the years minimally numbers we'll never trade with them again because anyone who doesn't stand by their word it is verbal word is word and if everyone wants to go i'll cover my ass because i'm a wimpy little whatever straight out of uni haven't seen what traders like to persuade people to do things you can't persuade people on a whatsapp you can put words down but they're not persuasive if you actually say, come on, let's do something, you do. Sometimes you give some money There's away. No, there isn't a relationship in WhatsApp, is there? And if there you give something away in a trade with someone, both of you know which party gave way. If yeah. it's a one-way trip every time you have a conversation, then you don't have a regular trading yeah, relationship. Yeah. Sometimes you can say, look, come on, every time it's me back down, it's time you did. Come yeah, on, yeah. give up 3p or something you tight fist to get. And more often than not, they go, yeah, do you know what, fair enough. Boom. You can't do that on WhatsApp. So we must not lose verbal agreement of contract. Once that's gone, it'll be gone forever. Everything will have to be typed. And then there'll be people trying to pick up on nuances of that. And some of us can only type with one finger, so it just doesn't work. (laughs) That's going to take some serious time with Ian. (laughs) 
modern day people can do two thumbs and type out something in 54 milliseconds. It astounds me. Everyone in the future is going to have thumbs about four inches long, aren't they? Right, with that, thank you very much for listening. And I'm sorry if I was grumpy about several items. I look forward to being much more cheerful next week. Goodbye. Catch you later. Catch you later. See you later. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.